Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Conversations with Ross podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Dana Lynn North. Dana is a writer and producer. She's worked on such shows as Veronica Mars, Lincoln Heights, Soul Food. She is currently writing and executive producing on VH1's Single Ladies. Dana, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Dana, tell me what initially attracted you to writing in the first place. Oh, gosh. Um... I'm, you know, sort of a, one of those, I was one of those theater and film uh, nerds growing up as a kid in Kansas City, Missouri. I was a Midwestern girl. And, you know, when, when HBO first started running those behind the scenes of, you know, Superman or Star Wars or any of those, I was just, um, you know, enraptured and fascinated. And um, I've, you know, I actually did professional theater as a kid. Um, so, you know, I've just always kind of been in that world. I was doing, you know, running around doing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and playing a, I don't know what, a, a you know, one of the monkeys and, and a, so whatever, all the different little roles you could play in The Wizard of Oz. The adults had all the big parts and the kids were running around backstage changing into 25 different costumes. I was doing children's theater. And so I've just always been a part of all of that and was writing poetry and plays and all that when I was really young. And then I remember being so overjoyed when I found out that there was actually such a thing as film school. You know, by around middle school, I found out that I could actually go somewhere and study film and television and and how to create such things. And that just, you know, blew me away. So, um, you know, then I just kind of kept going and evolving with all of it. And, and once I got out to USC, um, started really getting into television specifically. It's crazy because when you're like 12 years old, at least not where I'm from, we're in the suburbs of Boston, career guidance counselors come in and they have like a list of occupations you might be interested. No one ever mentions TV writer. And exactly. I wish, I wish they had because it's definitely yeah. something I feel like I would have been interested in when I was 12 instead of finding out I'm interested in it at like 30. But yeah. uh, how do you take that leap? I can't imagine that those opportunities, um, like people were, were encouraging TV writing in Kansas City. How do you take the leap from, oh my God, is this actually going to be possible? No, you you know, you're absolutely right. I just was, um, that's such a good point, you know, because it's absolutely not on that list um, with, the, with the college counselors and just, it's just not. And a couple things, like I said, part of it was that I was really fortunate because I did fall into this merry band of, of you know, theater folk. And um, so I was around people who, you know, when I was 14, 15, all of that, I was around people that that, you know, were professional actors and that were making their living in the theater. So at least having that sense of like, okay, this is something, you know, this life of the arts is actually something that people do and are, and are, and even in Kansas City, Missouri, they were thriving and happy and enjoying themselves. And, you know, so even just having that awareness, my, I have an older sister who I call a Renaissance woman who's a radiologist, but also was a uh, professional writer in television for a while. And so she was actually writing plays and doing all that. When I was in high school, she was, you know, both in med school and writing theater. And so, you know, just having that sense of like, okay, pursuing that passion is something that can, can be real. So the, you're right. So how did that translate for me? Again, once I found out about film school, it was just one of those things that I said, okay, this is what I want to do. And granted, and I also have a father who is a very supportive, you know, person, very supportive of the arts and loves all that stuff. So I come from a family of folks who are just really passionate about that sort of thing. So they, they nurtured that in me and I was very lucky in that way. 
you know, once I got to that point of realizing that's what I want to do, once I really, once I found USC, applied, did all that stuff, you know, then it was just a, it was, that was, there was no turning back at that point. But I think because I grew up um, in and around the theater and folks who were making their life that way, making a living that way and loving it, that I having that exposure um, really made a big difference. What was the first thing you got paid to write? Oh, man. I believe... Let me think about that. Actually, you know what? That's another thing. When I was in high, I was going to say it was an episode of television, but that's not true. I believe it was um, articles for this newspaper in Kansas City called Teens Today that um, a philanthropist started. And so I was editor-in-chief of a of a teen sort of, you know, newspaper slash literary magazine, that type of thing. And I think they did pay us some kind of small stipend. I'm pretty sure that was a pay gig, and that was in high school. And so, um, especially once you were, if you held, you know, a higher office. So as editor-in-chief, I got paid and wrote editorials and got actually interviewed. You know, I met Bishop Desmond Tutu when he came to town, and I had my little teen press pass and was running around. So um, I believe it was uh, writing articles for Teens Today in high school. Uh, those were my first things I was paid to write, and those were really fun, and writing editorials and, and that sort of thing. And what was your first paid gig once you moved to L.A. in the entertainment side of things? On the entertainment side of things, it would have been, for sure, my um, first episode of television, which was um, a freelance for any day now on Lifetime. I was also the writer's assistant at the time, and that was with Nancy Miller, who remains a, a dear, dear friend and mentor and, and just, you know, amazing person. Um, but yeah, so I was, you know, Nancy was actually the first person I, that hired me in television. I was a writer's assistant for her a couple of times. And then the second time was on any day now. Um, and that was really, you know, an apprenticeship for me. And while I was a writer's assistant in the second season, she gave me, you know, my, my break. And that was my first uh, shot. And so I wrote a freelance any day now and then ended up on staff in the third and fourth seasons of the show. What are your basic responsibilities as a writer's assistant on a show? As a writer's assistant, which is uh, if you, it's such great work if you can get it from the, you know as an apprentice and to really get in the trenches and learn. Um, it varies depending on the show, but in a television drama, um, and you know, in my experience, what it is mostly is if you're lucky, you are sitting in the room um, taking notes, especially in a more character-driven drama, which are the the time that I. Um, and drawn to and tend to write more of. So in a character-driven show where there tends to be a writer's room, then the writer's assistant is in the room with the writers taking notes as they arc out the season and as they arc out, you know, um, particular episodes. So, you know, you, uh, the writer's assistant is really there to help capture all of the key bits of gold that are that are going up on the board and ideas that are being pitched and things, whatever needs to be sort of saved um, and recorded. So it starts off, you know, at the beginning of the season, that may start off in terms of broad strokes, capturing, again, where we're going, what arcs are we building for this season for our main characters. Then as we get, get that figured out, then it, it starts to break down into, you know, okay, so episode, you know, one through however many we have, one through 22, one through 12, whatever that is, you know, eventually you figure out the arcs and you start breaking episode by episode. And typically you've got either a, a whiteboard or you've got cards or you've got a projection screen, depending on what your showrunner likes to do. And um, the writer's assistant is there to, again, capture all the main points of uh, what's going to go in that episode. So that by the end of breaking that episode, you've got like a rough, you know, whoever's assigned to write it, 
we'll have a rough sketch of, you know, not it's not an outline yet. It's kind of a beat sheet because the writer then needs to go off and write an outline from everything that was thrown out and, and decided upon in the room. So the writer's assistant's job is to capture all of that stuff. And, you know, there may be little great bits of dialogue that are thrown out in the process. You know, there's a lot of one-hour dramas now are, you know, kind of jokey in the sense, you know, they've got a humorous side to them. So if there are funny, you know, bits of dialogue that are thrown out, if there's whatever, whether they're funny bits or just memorable, thing, memorable things that are, that are tossed out, um, it's, it's a writer's assistant job to capture as much of that stuff as they can and capture all the story beats in the proper order. So that stuff, then there's, that's the biggest part of the job. Then there's research on the side. You know, if you're, we need to find out what's the proper way to steal diamonds or what's the, you know, if you wanted to poison a city's water supply, you know, so often as a writer's assistant, you're hoping you don't get flagged by the government because sometimes you're looking at the weird <laughs> stuff. Um, and so, you know, uh, and so research, um, you know, contacting people if, if we need to get a consultant on the phones or something, all of this various things. Under, and then, of course, you know, somebody wants to diet Snapple. Hopefully there's a writer's PA that can help out the writer's assistant because it's everything under the sun. Um, you know, you are the general right hand to the however many there are, the, the anywhere from six to eight to ten writers. You are their right hand. But the primary goal is capturing all that stuff. So a lot of times there may be a writer's PA who can help with all of the running around because their main goal is capturing everything. All of the, the magic of the writer's room. I want to ask you about Veronica Mars. That was a show that I know you did some writing for mm-hmm. on the first couple seasons of Veronica Mars. I want to ask you yeah. about joining a show that is just starting. Yeah, it's really fun. It's really fun. Um, and it is, it, it is unique because then you're coming in, you know, where somebody like like uh, Rob Thomas, our, our fearless leader in that one and the creator of that show, um, who I'm really proud of them and so excited for the Veronica Mars movie that's coming out shortly. Um, so in that situation, you have, you know, you know, someone like Rob or your show, your creator will, will have written this great pilot and, you know, you, you've got that and you've got whatever their vision is for the season. And, and particularly, you know, especially with a show like that, where there's maybe a mythology or the, an ongoing mystery that they've set up, you know, like who, who murdered Lily and what's going on there. So, you know, she'll lay out like, here's, you know, this is my, this is what I see. And this is how, this is what, you know, we're, we're working toward at the end of the season, you know, so you may have, you've got your kind of big tent poles that you may know, um, but there's still a lot of stuff to fill in as you're working through the season. So it's really fun. It's fun because then you get to, you get to help fill in this world. You know, you've got, um, especially with something like Veronica Mars where Rob's, you know, created such a, fantastic world to play in in terms of just the noir and Neptune and these great characters. And it was so specific and Veronica had such a great voice and, you know, there was all this great stuff that was, that was already established in the pilot, but then you get to come in and, and again, and start filling it in, you know, in, and there was this great cast already of characters beginning to come in and figure out, okay, who else, you know, we've got, we've got this case of the week. And then again, you've got this bigger arc that's going on with Veronica so just in a, in a situation like that, it's really fun when when all these great things have already been established, beginning to, to then come in and fill in, especially things like when you've, again, got a case of the week going, you know, that's the sort of stuff that you come in and it's like, okay, so we need 22 of these, you know, and figuring out what those are going to be and just really finding, continuing to find 
the voice of the show as you as you move along and continuing to figure out okay what does work in this world and what doesn't work in this world and as the, as you know we sit in the room and start breaking things it, it just you know it sort of continues to reveal itself and so that's part of what's really fun to be uh, you know in a sh- with a show from the very beginning it's to again continue to fill that in and build that up and build up the mystery and and it was it was really fun and so. I'm so proud to have worked on that show because it was a good time and, you know, just a great, passionate cult following. Um, that's fun, too. Sometimes you never know. You know, you just you never know kind of how something is going to land. So it's fun to see, you know, what resonates with an audience and, what you know, what kind of which which characters an audience latches on to and, and, you know, which characters kind of rise up, which characters and actors really start to, to stand out and things like that. So it's a good time. I want to ask you about their recent Kickstarter campaign. They set all kinds of records last year or maybe the year before when they were trying to raise money for Veronica Mars' movie. As a producer, do you see Kickstarter and other crowdsourcing networking sites as the next wave of generating content? Oh, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think they really changed the game. And, you know, I I went to to visit them on set when they were shooting last year. And, you know, we were talking about... it's sometimes you, you don't know what's going to be a game changer. I mean, most of the time you don't know what's going to be a game changer until it is. And um, I think that undoubtedly that, that those, it, you know, and you see how d- different folks have followed suit since then, um, you know, your Zach Braffs, et cetera. And um, so I, I think that it's going to be one of uh, for sure. And I think that who knows what else may be coming along that, that again, that we don't know about right now, but um, especially in terms of, you know, now having, having your larger sort of what, you know, your studio, your studio, you know, series and things that I think um, things that entities that already have an, a built in audience um, or whether you have an actor or, you know, um, a show or somebody that knows that they already have a following. Um, that's one thing that I think one thing that I think you'll start to see more of now is, you know, where Kickstarter, Indiegogo and all those were, were such a great, resource for the the young upstart production and artist to go and they and it still is it still is a great resource for that but i think now you're going to see more of um yeah more of the known quantities coming there um to see what they can drum up and so it's going to be interesting to see how that what that does i mean i think that's been one of the ongoing debates is will it still be will be you know again will the young unknowns and the the young indie artists or or not even the not so young indie artists still be able to you know, to find their resources there. But I do, I think it was definitely a game changer. And I think there's still, for me, what I have found, you know, for the time that I have been working in this industry, is that the cream still rises. Like, and so I think there's still, it's not like there isn't still room for everyone. Um, it's always a fight. It's always, you're always slogging it out. But I think, you know, the good stuff uh, tends to still rise, wherever, you know, whether it's at a Sundance or on Kickstarter or wherever, that, you know, when people have a really clear voice and when someone is, is talented, um, they, they get discovered, I find. I mean, I really feel like that's been true just throughout time in this industry. And, they, you know, it may take a minute, but um, talent and perseverance those two things together tend to tend to produce results. Tell me what mistakes you see young writers make most often. Oh wow, that's a great question. I would say not uh, not putting in enough work on their product, on their script, on their whatever it is before um, trying to 
put it out there. So putting, you know, trying to, trying to get feedback, trying to get results, trying to get it out to, you know, X person before it's ready. Um, just not recognizing, especially, yeah, with the younger writers, not recognizing the amount of work and the amount of rewriting that writing really is. Um, and that a, a great idea um, is not the same as a great script. And that a great, you know, not recognizing that a lot of people have great ideas. So I think that's it. Just not putting in enough work is really the simple way to put it. Um, what mistakes do you still make most often? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Another good question. Um, probably, gosh, what? Oh, I, ignoring that little bitty voice in my head that is sometimes so, so, so faint about just whatever it might be. Um, that I still have to give something to someone, and you always want to give something to, you know, people to, to look at, but that, you know, there'll be that little tiny voice in the back of my head about, it could be so tiny about a line or about a scene or whatever it is, and there's that voice that's saying either whatever it is that I think, and then I have to give it to, to someone else, and that person says that thing that I deep, deep down knew but chose to ignore. Um, so I still, and there are times when the voice is so faint that I, that I can easily convince myself that I'm not hearing it. So, you know, just, just taking that one more beat to really, um, try to kind of be still and go back. Um, you know, I go back and I go back, but just whenever there is that little, really, really faint voice to really try to always listen to it because it's, it's always right. Um, I mean, I usually always ultimately end up doing whatever that voice is saying, but sometimes it'll just take someone else to go, eh, do you think you need that line? It's like, oh, I knew I didn't need that line. Why did I leave? You know, or just whatever that is. And it could be a little thing, but just, to, you know, that little voice is usually is usually a, a true north. Tell me about Single Ladies and how you got involved with that show. Ah, uh, Single Ladies. So, um, you know, I just joined them this in this third season, and um, a couple of the executive producers, one from Slavery Unit, uh, Clinton Teachers Company, uh, and then one from the VH1 production side. So Shelby Stone and Maggie Molino approached me, um, and we met, and they asked me to come aboard um, as head writer and, and uh, this season and join them in the in the show running ranks. And um, it's been it's been really fun. It's been an adventure. It's always you know we were we were talking about what it is to come aboard something in the very beginning, and then it's a whole different adventure to come aboard a show that is going into its third season. Um, and so, you know, we, we had a regime change. I came aboard as head writer. We brought in a whole new writing staff. And, you know, and it's been a lot of fun. It's been fun to strike that balance between what was working in the show and, and what the audience has already, you know, it's got a passionate and loyal audience as well. And, you know, keeping what we feel like is working with the show, with the characters, all of that, and then figuring out how to <clears throat> infuse some new energy and, you know, me coming in with my perspective and my ideas for what I think could help take the show to another level. And so, um, you know, we've all been sort of working together to figure that out because, of course, the exec producers who've been there from the beginning have great insights into what's working on the show. They have their own things that they're passionate about. And then I have things that I'm passionate about. So putting all of that together has been fun. And it's been really fun to take, you know, uh, take the ladies on some new adventures this season. So how many writers do you have in your room? That room, uh, we had me plus five, gosh, me plus four. There were five of us, I think. And my writer's assistant was so invaluable as well. So, 
it was me plus four. There were five of us and the writer's assistant in that room. And tell me what it's like write, running a writer's room now. You've obviously been a part of a writer's room as a writer. What's mm-hmm. it like being in charge of it? It's fantastic. Uh, and, you know, it's, it is that is really great because, you know, getting to actually, again, shape where the show is going and really getting to, you know, to be a part of, okay, this, to come into the room and say, here's where I want to take this show this season and getting to, you know, lay out my vision, right, to, you know, to be standing at the head of the room and saying, this is my vision for this. And then, but, but at the same time, it's also, it continues to be, what's interesting is, in some ways, it's very different, and in some ways, you're still doing what you've always been doing, which is incorporating other other people's visions for the show. You know, I've got, again, I've still got, you know, the executive producers who've been there. I've got the network. So then you've got, you, you know, you're still kind of, you, if you could see me right now, I'm walking, and I'm doing this sort of juggling hands, like when your hands are scales, you know, because you're still doing that process of, juggling, balancing, incorporating, and trying to like make this, this gumbo that everyone is going to enjoy the taste of. So it's, it's basically what you do as a writer, just on a grander scale with more pressure and, more, and, and greater consequences. But it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So it's fun to come in and say, you know, the producers and I, we've all worked together. Here are my visions. Here's what we want to do. And then, and then you have a great staff in front of you, and, you, and, and they start throwing out their ideas, and it's like, oh, but I love that too, and I love that. And so, again, kind of mixing it all up, throwing, some, you know, throwing stuff up on the board and looking at, you know, it's like I may come in with something, and then I may hear something that I like better, and figuring out, again, having to be that, you know, that compass and sort of saying, okay, you know, I'm steering this, and where do we want to – how do we get across the – how do we get across the lake – at the end of the season in a way that's going to work. And so it's been really fun. It's been challenging in, in the greatest of ways. Um, so it's, it's been tremendous. We had, I, we had a great staff. They, you know, I just, I can't imagine um, doing it without them. We had so many laughs. We had, we had a really good time. So I, I enjoyed it very, very much. How does doing a show on VH1 differ from doing a show on a more traditional network? The difference is VH1 is still... They, you know, are, this single ladies was their first scripted series. Um, then they launched a second one, um, last year, which was hit the floor. So, um, one of the differences is just a network that, you know, is, is still kind of earlier in the scripted TV game and figuring out, you know, okay, how do you all want to do some of these things that, you know, ABC or, so-and-so has been doing for X number of years, you know, what, what do you want your systems to be? So every time you, you know, as a writer, every time I switch networks, figuring out, you know, how do you got, what's your system for this, for whatever it may be, for notes, for, um, you know, this process. And so, so for me, it's just been a matter of adjusting to VH1 and a network that is particularly sort of built on, their reality shows and that sort of thing. And so figuring out like what are their kind of what are their rhythms and, you know, and what are their expectations for this show? And, you know, and every network has its own, especially because depending on what their, um, what kind of shows they have on the air, every network definitely has, as you know, its own brand and sort of its own vibe to it. And so, yeah, DH1 has kind of a specific rhythm to the way they do things, the way, whether it's the way they use music, with kind of, the kind of jokes that they feel like work. So just, you know, coming into DH1 and figuring out, okay, 
what is it, you know, again, what is your personality as a network? What is your brand? And kind of settling, you know, it's like putting on that new pair of, of shoes and, or it's almost more like ski, skiing on a new run since I just got back from Sunday. Um, you know, like figuring out, okay, what is, what are the, how does, how is it going to work to ski down this hill? Um, so that's really what it's been is just sort of making those adjustments to what works on, on a VH1 versus a wherever, a Showtime XYZ. So yeah, it's been good. And, and, you know, feeling like I'm finding my sea legs on that particular network. I wonder if it's, you know, they have two scripted shows now, but, mm-hmm. um, because it's so new to them, scripted shows are still so relatively new to VH1. Are you getting a lot more notes than you would from a, a network that has many scripted shows? Are they all over you, or is it they giving you a little breathing room? I don't know if I would if I would say if I would categorize it as all over me, but it probably is different. You're right. Then again, you pick a network that has that's been doing scripted for you know 30 years, and a network um, that's been doing it for you know three. Um, yes, there's probably a difference, sure, in terms of because they're still, again, they're still establishing that brand and figuring it out. So, sure, there's probably a difference. I, I can't imagine there wouldn't be. Um, but, you know, I would say that there's, I would say that we have all, we've, we've figuring, we are figuring out together what that balance is of what we want out of the show. And then, with, you know, also for me coming in, in this first season, it's like it's my first season with the show. It's their third season with the show, my first season with the show. So it's like there's a lot to figure out. But what's exciting is, I don't know if you did you see how we were up 51% when the show premiered. Um, like the, the show this season has actually done incredibly well. So it's been really um, gratifying for all of us to see that. The, I think the balance that we struck um, for this season, just with everything, with story, with what we've done with the characters and the journeys that we've taken them on, you know, I think we, we, it's just sort of reinforces that we, you know, that we all found our way together as a new team. So that was, so that's been cool to see. But yeah, I think it's definitely a different, you know, it, it's an adjustment every time, you know, as a, as a new, as a showrunner and as a head writer, when you come into, when you come onto a new show, there's always going to be that adjustment of everybody kind of figuring out how they're going to work together. I think that's inevitable. And then, like you said, sure, you have a network that's still in the process of developing their scripted side. There's always going to be that adjustment. But I think we all, we all had, you know, a great time figuring it out. And hopefully we'll continue to get to do it more since the, since the audience seems to be reacting to it well. I always like to ask the TV writers that come on about what TV shows you're watching and what TV shows you think have great writing. Ah, yes. Good questions all. Let's see. I am watching... I'm watching Scandal, like so many people are. I'm watching um, what I can't wait to, for it to come back. Um, I want Orange is the New Black, I loved and thought had fantastic writing. Um, and both, both of the Netflix series, Orange is the New Black and House of Cards, I really enjoyed. But in terms of just really being, I, I just really, really um, just thoroughly enjoyed Orange is the New Black quite a bit. What else? Um, I'm a big fan of Shameless. Uh, I, I like that show a lot and I just enjoy the balance that they strike between a lot of different things in terms of just the <laughs> crazy, dirty, raunchy heart. Um, so I really enjoy, I, I think they have uh, great writing on that show. Yeah, I watch I watch Shameless too, and I wonder what kind of notes they get from Showtime. Is Showtime like, we need this to be dirtier? This isn't enough. <laughs> 
I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to bet you that they get very few. And I have no idea. But first of all, you have to remember it's John Wells. And secondly, so, I mean, who, and who gives John Wells a note anymore? Do you, you really think that man still gets notes? Right. Maybe, again, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm completely out of my mind, but I just don't think people spend a lot of time giving John Wells that many notes. But also, like you said, and uh, I think they, it strikes such a great, that's what's so fun is that they just go so many different crazy directions, but at the end of it, it all it all works. Yeah, like you said, one minute they're just so dirty, and then the next minute there's so much heart, you know, with the with the youngest daughter and that day. You know, they they just I, I just love it. So I, I think when you can have as many tones as they manage to hit in an hour, and it all still works, you know, I think that's really impressive. Uh, what else? Um, you know what? I'm a fan of the Vampire Diaries. Like, literally, I, I, Game of Thrones, Vampire Diaries, um, I, it's like I'm all over the place. But I love, and that's just going back to what you're talking about, good writing can show up in so many different genres, of course. And so I'm, you know, I feel like a lot of people I talk to, and maybe it's more fans of TV than writers, I know that I, I will notice that their TV watching tends to fall in a genre. You know, like there are, there are those people that are like, I'm Walking Dead, Sons of Anarchy, da 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 da. And I'm not that, you know, I will watch, I'm all over the place. Yeah, so I, I go from Game of Thrones to Shameless to, you know, Scandal to, you know, I, it's just for me, it's, yeah, it's the House of Cards. It's the, it's the, it's writing and acting and putting a good show together is what I care about. What advice can you give to young writers who are looking to break in or writers who are stuck in that, what can seem like an endless like rejection cycle? What advice can you give to those writers? Yeah, gosh. I would say that to really, um, I'm trying to think if I would say a different thing. First of all, I'll start with um, young writers looking to break in. And it's probably a little bit of the same advice to both. But let, me, let me say, it's just the thing of really, really, really focusing on your craft and the things that can make you better and also the things that can keep you inspired. For example, watching, you know, making sure that you stay connected to what is inspiring you and motivating you to do this. Because again, I think, um, you know, we were talking about younger writers today. I feel like we've gotten in the, a culture, you know, with reality TV and, and the focus on, you know, focus on the celebrity and wealth and focusing over kind of the, the results of it more than the process of, of it. Um, and, and so for me, focusing on, I think it's so important to stay connected to what keeps you wanting to be in this business, what keeps you wanting to be an artist, actually, as opposed to a successful television writer like, or a successful ex. Like what is, it's like, is your goal to actually be an artist? Because an artist is not always wealthy and, you know, uh, a writer is not always, whatever, you know, doing podcast interviews, a writer is writing. And sometimes they're, you know, they're making money at it and sometimes they're not. And so for me, it's, it's you know, watching films, watching shows, reading scripts that really move you and inspire you and make you go, I wish I could do that. You know, every time I watch The Shawshank Redemption, I still just, it just still moves me so much. I still love it so much. I, or I put on Cinema Paradiso and I still love it so much. I remember as a kid when I watched Cinema Paradiso and just was like, you know, that was another one of those moments where I just felt like I have to, I want to do this. This, You know, I want to do this. I want to make that kind of art. And so staying connected to the things that make you feel that way, you know, I think is really important. And then honing 
your craft, just staying focused on that piece and creating the, not just that one piece, but those several pieces of work, um, those scripts that, that people are going to read and be blown away and, and, and read and really feel like, wow, I want to talk to the person who wrote this. You know, making sure that you are writing something that is so specific to you and, and so no one else could have written that thing that, that it's going to stand out. And if you, and you know, again, I guess that advice does apply to both. Um, so if you, if you stay focused on those things, um, then hopefully you won't have time and energy to feel like you're going to give up. Is being a working television writer what you expected it to be? Wow. Hmm. Let me think on that for a minute. I don't know that I had any really specific expectations. There are times when, you know, again, I, I, there, were, there are certain people whose careers I really admire, and I mean friends of mine, um, you know, so when I was a writer's assistant, for example, was probably about the time I started developing expectations. That's what I was trying to think about, well, what were my expectations? And, um, you know, I, I don't know that I, there was ever a point when I solidly developed any so there are, has it, there are times when it has certainly surprised me, both on the positive and the negative side. Um, you know, so it's it has been um, it's been an amazing ride, and it's but it's been a roller coaster. And like like anything, on the one hand, of course, I, I'm so incredibly lucky to be calling this my work and my career, and I always recognize that. But it has absolutely had its times of being really stressful and, and really trying. And, but, you know, I think, I think that comes with any, any, also any career that you're, that's something that you're passionate about. You know, um, for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an emotional heart on my sleeve kind of person. So it's something that I'm passionate about. So that means it's definitely gotten to me at times, but yeah, what I, it, you know, I, I guess that's, that would be my answer is that there are certainly times when it surprised me um, and times when it has, you know, what I've gone through things that I hadn't expected to go through, but I, but I also never expected that it was going to be easy. Um, but there, you know, there are certain writers who I've looked at their careers and thought, um, you know, wow, mine has gone very differently than this person's. But, you know, like anything, we're all on our own. I mean, it's, I don't mean to sound cliche, but it's just so true. We're all on our own journey. So, I, you know, it's, it's also a really dangerous thing to get into, you know, trying to compare myself to anyone. But, um, it has been, it is, I guess I would say it's surprised me, like I said, both on the upside and the downside. It surprised me, but ultimately, um, it's been an amazing ride, and I feel incredibly blessed to be on this ride. You've been listening to Dana Lynn North. Dana is a writer and producer. She's currently writing and executive producing on VH1's Single Ladies. You can give her a follow on Twitter at Dana Lynn North. That's L-Y-N-N-E. Dana, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. 